0: powers to be that would be printed to worship God and uh, so it's not a typo when you notice that at some point in the service I'll take a heart right and head off to the Gospel of John it's just because that's the direction the Lord's taken me and I've learned a long time ago in my 35 plus years of ministry not to cross the Lord follow his leadership and so anyway you'll see what I'm talking about I want to begin as you I ask you to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke in chapter 10 and and I have been and will continue to be Lord willing to preach a series of messages from the Gospel of Luke that I have simply entitled Follow Me because that's the theme of of the ministry of Christ as he is is teaching and preaching and working powerful miracles and and teaching uh, uh, or demonstrating the kingdom of God he's all constantly offering that invitation for those who would be followers of Christ children of God to follow him and hence I offer that as an invitation to every one of you today. And so as we uh, go into the message today, taken from Luke chapter 10, we'll begin reading in verse 38. Before I do, I'd like to give just a little bit of a disclaimer because, uh, you know, I've never served in any branch of the military service. Though raising tobacco was grueling enough. Uh, But but, you know, please understand when I speak. I'm not speaking from personal experience, but but from indirect observation, talking to members of the military and things that I've read and seen about the military branches of our country. And you know, it's a fact that when a recruit is subjected to several months of very rigorous and intense training and indoctrination uh, by any one of the branches of the military, going through what we call boot camp, you know, generally, the, uh, the, the results are quite drastic and, and, and observable. You, you see a change come over that individual, that man or that woman that is a part of that branch of the military. Physically, they usually emerge toned and, and in shape and muscular. And they, you, know, they, you can see that discipline not only in, in their body, but also uh, in their discipline of activities and, and, and also in their uh, speech and the way they conduct themselves. They're more disciplined whether they graduated from, say, the Marines having gone through boot camp at Paris Island or maybe gone through one of the special branches of service like the Navy SEALs or some of those, you know, uh, it, it tends to change a person going through these rigorous boot camps. Well, maybe for, with the exception of Gomer Pyle, He was one of my favorite Marines. I don't think Gomer really got, a, got took it all in. But, you know, as we look at the Gospel of Luke and, and at this point in the earthly life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's beginning to make a transition, if you will. And, and instead of addressing the multitudes, per se, and, and and doing kingdom preaching as he has up to this point and performing great divine miracles, he's now giving attention to his disciples. So you might say that the ministry of Christ at this time As he's beginning to direct his attention less and less towards the regions of Galilee and the outreaches of Israel and is focusing now on the on the region of Judea and more specifically the city of Jerusalem. He's only weeks away from an encounter with the cross where he will carry out his his redemptive role as the son of God and as the uh, uh, as the savior of the world. So Jesus is going more now from proclamation and demonstration, if you will. To preparation he's given his attention now to a select group of men that he's issued the call come and follow me these are his disciples those who make up the inner circle of the of the groups that are following him and so Jesus is committing himself to these 12 apostles disciples who are following him in the closing months weeks of his earthly ministry and you might call this this experience for his disciples Something of a spiritual boot camp because he's 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 indoctrinating them, he's uh giving them experiences, he's teaching them, he's pouring himself into them so that they might effectively carry on with the ministry that he has demonstrated before them. And so as we examine the passages that we'll be looking at here in the Gospel of Luke, and then also in the Gospel of John, might we learn something for ourselves? that might help us to understand that as we follow the Lord, we are in a in sense, in a sense, spiritual boot camp. When we come together in fellowship as brothers and sisters into Christ, and we, as we participate in the activities of the church, when we engage ourselves in the study of God's word and, and the proclamation of God's word, this is all a part of, of, of Christ training us and equipping us. We looked at that in our CGG lesson that... Uh, Brother mark was teaching this morning and the importance of, of being prepared to do the work that Christ has called us to do And so we're going to be looking at Three primary characters that will emerge in the text today That that we will follow in a progression if you will I want you to see the progression of the development of these individuals in their relationship with the Lord as a result of having been exposed to the son of God and experience in him firsthand and notice the transition that that takes place in them as a result of having been with Jesus and I, I challenge you and I challenge myself you know we we as Christians we're not in a relationship that is is static you know from the day that you began your walk with Christ as a Christian and and if you've not entered into that relationship with the lord jesus christ i pray that if god is speaking to your heart and drawing you to himself convicting you of your sins and 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 leading you to repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in jesus christ then you will embark upon that spiritual journey but but the christian relationship should be dynamic we should be ever changing growing developing maturing and so I, i want us to Keep that in the back of our minds as we follow these three primary characters that we'll be looking at in our scripture text beginning in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. And so I've entitled this first portion of the message, a disciple's priority, a disciple's priority. And and in doing that, I would simply ask you as a follower of Christ, as a Christian, is he the priority of your life? Is He first and foremost in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit, in your life? As we looked at uh, verse 38 in Luke chapter 10, it says, Now it happened as they went that they entered a certain village. We'll learn more specifically about that village. That He entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed Him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary. Who also sat at Jesus's feet and heard his word but Martha was distracted with much serving as she approached him and said Lord do you not care that my sister speaking of Mary has left me to serve alone therefore tell her to help me and Jesus answered and said to her Martha Martha you're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. You know, in John's gospel, chapter 11, we get details. That John tells us that the name of the town was Bethany, a small town situated about two miles east of Jerusalem on the east side of, of the mountain olives where jesus often frequented as a place of prayer and and this this lady that greeted him martha uh that that uh, invited jesus to come to her house scholars say that probably because there's no mention of her husband and the fact that the scriptures speak of the, the dwelling place as her house that it's very possible that she was a widow and so she's the hostess That is inviting Jesus and his disciples his followers to come so she's tackling not only the responsibility of providing a meal for them but in in providing entertainment for them providing lodging for them and so she's not living by herself as the scriptures alluded she's got her sister Mary that's living with her and later we'll see that her brother Lazarus also and uh, you may recall Lazarus as being the one that Jesus raised from the dead. And we'll look at that later in our text. So let's consider also our understanding of who Jesus is and how we respond to him. What, what are the priorities that we engage in in our relationship with him as we look at this, this case of misplaced priority as we examine what's going on with Mary and, and with Martha? But first of all, I want us to focus on Mary. Just put Martha aside for a second. Because as we look at what Luke describes here, describing Mary, it says, And she, speaking of Martha, had a sister, Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. And so you see, as you look at Mary, even in that, that picture that you see painted by Luke, Mary is, is sitting there at the, the feet of her div- divine teacher, Jesus, and being seated at, at his feet suggests her submission to him. And, and suggest her desire to to hear and hang on every word that he's teaching. You know, this would have been a traditional position for a student, any student of a rabbi, as uh, Jewish rabbis went about and they had followers coming after them. oftentimes their their students would sit at their feet. and and the rabbi would teach. The unusual thing about this is that this is a woman. Rabbis in Judaism of that day would not allow for a woman to be among their students. But Mary, on her own, not having been told, willingly submitted herself humbly to sit and to listen to the teachings of Jesus. And and you can almost see her. It's almost as if her undistracted, riveted focus is upon every word that proceeds out of the mouth of Christ. She's drinking in everything that he's teaching and Luke describes her as listening to his word. Literally, that means that she was continually hearing. It wasn't like so many of us sometimes. She'll sit there and listen for a while. Mind goes off this way. She starts looking and hearing the birds out in the trees or whatever. And then she'll come back and then she hears something else. No, no, no. Mary is riveted and continually hearing, in the process of hearing. Every single word and, and every expression and every truth that Jesus is teaching. And this is this is mary this is her attitude this is the attitude of a true follower of christ but then as we look in contrast to martha you know martha was a hostess with the mostess. i mean let's give her credit anybody that that takes on not only a traveling teacher but takes on his followers as well and and hosts them you know my goodness there there's something to be said on her behalf, but then let's look at the problem developing here that d- demonstrates that Martha represents and reveals the consequences of being a distracted believer, a distracted believer. So if you look there at verse 40 again, Martha was distracted right off the bat with much serving. Now, take into consideration, you know, what she's doing is a good thing. It's not a bad thing to host people. You know, the scriptures from the Old Testament, New Testament, emphasize the importance of being hospitable and practicing hospitality and and, and having people serving them. And so, you know, what she's doing is, is, is a wonderful thing. But the problem is, it says that she was distracted. And that word distracted literally means to be dragged away. As if her preoccupation with 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 entertaining and serving and preparing a meal had had taken her from what would have been the best thing and dragged her away and and is consuming her and taking her and removing her from one of the most precious moments of her life. I mean, she had the son of God sitting in her living room. She was having the privilege of entertaining and providing for and and serving the, the very Messiah. You know have there been situations in your life that maybe have caused you to be distracted where your determination you get involved in activities and serving the lord even can be a distraction if it's taken out of context and 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 not kept in its proper place serving others a good thing but if we're not careful sometimes even that can be a distraction from the best thing and see that's what was happening with martha because you see she was she was experiencing frustration and and sometimes that happens for god's people so we can get so tied down and doing this and doing that and and taking care of this responsibility and taking care of that that we lose sight of spending that time alone with the lord in prayer spending time alone in his word and letting him speak to us Growing and and being nurtured and in, in our relationship with the Lord and our closeness with the Lord and so you sense Martha's frustration that can happen in the life of any Christian who neglects the most important thing we'll get to that Martha's frustration for what the scripture describes all her preparations and mind you she was not only just preparing a big meal but she also had the responsibilities of I got to find a place for all these men to sleep. Got to get some pallets here and get some cots in here, you know. And 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 I've got to make arrangements for all, all these guys to be able to take a bath. And you know, I got to be a good hostess. And she was really consumed with that. And she, was, the more that she was consumed with that. The more frustrated she was as she, she looked into the living room, I'm assuming it was a living room or a place where they, Jesus was sitting and everybody was listening, Lazarus and there's Mary sitting at his feet, eyes locked in on Jesus. And every time that Martha would walk by and see her little sister sitting in there, you know, just having a time of her life, listening to Bible study, she's just wringing her hands and thinking, that Mary, she, she needs to be in here. It's boiling up in hers, you know. Why should I be in here? You know, in this hot, slaving in this hot kitchen, you know, building a fire and cooking and, and preparing the food and you know, and, and, and giving the servants orders about where to put pallets and pillows and, and getting bath water drawn. And, and and look at Mary, just look at her. Just having a time of her life. Finally, just got the best of her. Her a personality bowled over and came out she goes in and says to jesus now mind you she's got some probably not so wholesome thoughts towards her sister at this point but but also her frustration is probably bringing her to a point you know it's clouding her perspective of the of the lord she goes in to where jesus is teaching great eternal kingdom truths and she said lord i can imagine her just interrupting lord <laughs> Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? I mean, don't you care? Look, at, I mean, look at me, look at her. She's probably got, Martha's probably got flour in her hair, you know, and, and chicken grease dripping down the apron, you know, and, you know, just, oh, hair's frazzled, you know, and say, so, yeah, just look, don't you care? And then like any bossy sister, She says, therefore, tell her to help me. You, you be the boss. You tell her to get in the kitchen and do what she's supposed to do. And of course, the Lord senses Martha's dilemma, but he also is aware of Mary's decision. Mary made the decision to go in and sit at the feet of Jesus. Mary made the decision to make that the number one thing that she would do. As Martha was distracted, Jesus not only since that, but he sensed her disturbed spirit. and this disturbed the Lord. And so now he he takes his time, takes the time to to give attention to this well-meaning hostess who is worked up to a frazzle of frustration. You know, just as the Lord is concerned with Martha, he's concerned with you and me when we get distracted, when we get frustrated, When we get our priorities out of order, you know, the Lord is infinitely more concerned about our walk with him than he is our work for him. Now, I know this seems to be going against the grain of what you've heard me talk about. This is not to suggest in any way that actively serving the Lord is not a good thing. It is a wonderful thing. It is a great thing. It is a necessary thing. It is a biblical thing. To work and to serve and to use our spiritual gifts in serving in the in the church to, to edify the body of Christ. To go beyond the walls of the church and, and, and let the love of Christ compel us to go out there into the community where people are in need, who are struggling and hurting and need a comforting and encouraging word and need helping hands. Listen, there's a place for service. But understand that it must always be secondary to our commitment to heartfelt worship and to discipleship and to exercise in the spiritual disciplines of Bible study and, and prayer, which results in a closer walk with him. And so as the Lord addresses Miss Martha in verse 41, and Jesus answered and said to her, You're right, Martha. Mary, in the kitchen. What's the matter with you? Can't you see your sister? I can't imagine you. This is me and stuff. <laughs> I love the way the Lord handles things. And I pray to the Lord so often, Lord help me to just have your wisdom and have your love and your patience in dealing with situations and 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 hard to deal with people sometimes. Martha Martha. And you know, if, if my mom or dad ever repeated my name, it's usually the next thing is the belt. Charlie, Charlie I can't believe. <laughs> yeah, okay, but Martha, Martha. He wasn't saying it to rebuke her. He was, he was letting her know that he was giving her his full attention. And what he was about to say was very important. In Luke's Gospel, chapter twenty-two, later, verse thirty-one, Jesus would do something similar with the apostle Peter. He would say, Simon, Simon, behold, be aware. Satan has demanded permission to sift you like grain. Just before Jesus would be arrested, Peter would deny him. Simon, Simon, listen to me, Simon. He's saying to Martha, Martha, Martha. To get her attention, to get her focus, you're worried and troubled about many things recognize i i see that you're frustrated i see that you're worried and you're concerned and he doesn't rebuke her as if to say you know what's the matter with you be like your sister calm and placid and sit at my feet no he says you know you're still worried about many things but one thing is needed he's not saying to martha you know what she's doing in pre- preparations to to serve him and his disciples is 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 bad he acknowledges that's a wonderful thing my goodness to take the time but to let it become a preoccupation so that it generates a frustration it's a good thing but it's not the best thing and he goes on to tell her and Mary has chosen that good part Mary has made a priority in her life at this moment to sit and to quietly and intently listen to me and and fellowship in, in, in spirit with me and to grow close to me. And he says that is the most important thing. And guess what? It won't be taken from her. What she's learned from me and is learning from me and is, is grasping by faith from me cannot be taken from her. It'll always be with her. And I'm sure he maybe pointed around to all the dishes and the food and the blankets and says, you know, after it's all said and done, this will be done. You'll forget this event, but Mary will never forget the experience. So, so the first thing that I think is important for us to glean out of this as, as we look at these three, Mary, Martha, and then eventually Lazarus, is first of all, a disciple's priority. The priority of my life, the priority of your life, and the priority of every born-again believer of Jesus Christ ought to be spending time with him, studying his word, praying and And fellowshiping with Him in prayer. Allow the Holy Spirit to cultivate in us a closeness and an intimacy with the Lord. That enables us to become more and more Christ-like every day. And to be the people that He's called us to be. To serve in the kingdom as He's called us to serve. And when we are spending time with the Lord. And giving our undivided attention to Him. And not being distracted by even good things. But giving our attention to the best things then we are in a position to serve him even more effectively. But I want to keep moving along because our time is moving. We looked at the disciples' priorities. We focused on Mary. And this is the establishment of a relationship with Christ. Let's move on to the next point, and, and this takes us into the Gospel of John because the disciples plead. The disciples petition. Having, having established a relationship with the Lord, having drawn close to the Lord by faith and and becoming a part of his family and, and having a personal daily walk with the Lord and, and having this, this relationship has wonderful benefits because, you see, it, it, we can exercise this relationship, especially in times of need. So let's just go over to the Gospel of John, if you would, and, and, and the idea and the thing that God put on my heart because I wanted to continue on after that brief little story with Mary and Martha, I want to get back into the Gospel of Luke and continue on, but the Lord said, "No, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't don't leave this family yet. I want you to see the progressive development of their relationship with me and the ultimate benefits of it." And so the next thing we look at is the disciples' plea. In order to to capture the the full picture of this relationship of this special family, we go from the Gospel of Luke to chapter 11 in the Gospel of John, and this is a very familiar story from the time we were in, in small children's church and youth group and all of that. This episode is described by biblical scholars as the capstone of the miracles of Christ in the Gospel of John. There are six, beginning with the miracle, Jesus's first miracle of turning the water into wine. The capstone, the crowning moment. As far as miracles go, is about to transpire right here in chapter 11. And so I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to chapter 11 of John. We're not going to read the whole chapter, but I want you to capture the essence of what's developing. All of this, I'm sure, is very familiar to you. And remember now, the, the relationship has begun in this family with Christ. And that that opportunity of fellowship where Jesus and his disciples spent the night with them and, and they had fellowship together was not the only one. There were subsequent times. In fact, the house of Martha and Mary and Lazarus became one of the favorite places for Jesus and his disciples to go because of the proximity to Jerusalem. When they were going in and out of the city of Jerusalem, it was a convenient place to go to. It was a warm and inviting place. It was a place where these were true followers of Christ. And so we, we can pick up in, in the Gospel of John. It says, now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany. This is John chapter 11, verse 1 the town of Mary and her sister Martha. There's the order. They're going backwards now. It was that Mary who anointed the the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God and the Son of God, That the Son of God may be glorified through it and then John points out now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus so you see the relationship from that initial encounter where they they invited Jesus into their home and Jesus kind of got the priorities in the right order okay now they're close friends and they're sending word Lazarus is, is very sick you know maybe sick to death, possibly. So they're doing what naturally friends would do. They send for Jesus. We know how it works. Jesus hears about Lazarus. He's in striking distance. I mean, he's right there in in Judea, right around Jerusalem. He's not too far off. It's reasonable to say that he could get there in time to, to heal Lazarus. But we notice that the Scripture tells us that Jesus intentionally delays two days. And then discovers that Lazarus has died, but he's already told his disciples this is this is but this is God the Father working. This is a part of the plan. And they go and let's pick up in verse 17. Jesus and his disciples are making their way to Bethany, but this time not for a party, because he knows what's waiting. He knows it's a family that is deep in the process of grief and the shock of losing their precious brother. These two sisters are gripped with grief. And the whole atmosphere of that once you know wonderful and hospitable and friendly and inviting home is now uh, under the cloud of dark cloud of grief verse 17 and chapter 11 of john so when jesus came he found that he had already been in the tomb for four days speaking of, of lazarus now bethany was near jerusalem about two miles away and many of the jews joined the women around uh, Martha and, and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother these are the the grievers those who are professional mourners then Martha as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming went out and met him but Mary was sitting in the house then Martha said to Jesus Lord if you had been here my brother would not have died you see they had sent a plea they weren't just random people they weren't just unnamed, insignificant characters out there that just heard about Jesus. They were his friends. People who loved him, and he loved them. So in her mind, there's a part of her that's struggling. I confess, I would too. Lord, if you would just been here, my brother would not have died. But even now... I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. I want you to watch carefully because you see flickers of flames of faith. Even in the midst of this distraught heart, there is a flicker of flame of hope generated by faith. Martha does have faith. Uh, We'll prove it by continuing to read. Even being disappointed, even being distraught, jesus said to her your brother will live or will rise again in verse 24 martha said to him i know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day jesus said to her this is probably one of the most powerful spoken words of the lord messages of the lord and people often refer to it in times of death for a christian a believer jesus says i am the resurrection And the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Stop there for a second. Jesus is basically saying to Martha, Martha, you know me. You know my love. You know my, my, my dynamic teachings. You know my divine miracles. You know me. But then he's also saying to her, but you don't know me but you will know me he's saying to her just believe now I want you to see because Jesus asked her a point-blank question based on what I just told you not that there's some general Old Testament teaching concept of life after death the resurrection which the scriptures do teach about prophetically Jesus is saying, I, you're standing, looking at, talking to the embodiment of divine resurrection. I am the resurrection. And anyone believing in me, even if they die, they will live. Martha, do you believe this? And here's where you see her faith, blossom. Because she said to him, "Yes, Lord, I believe. I believe. I believe that you are the Christ. Bingo! That you are the Son of God. Hallelujah! Who has come into the world." Does that sound resonate? over maybe another testimony? Remember when Jesus asked his disciples there in Matthew chapter 16, who do men say that I am? And they were speculating all the different prophets, Elijah, and et cetera, John the Baptist. Jesus turned to his disciples and says, but who do you say that I am? I'm not interested so much in what the world says about me. I want to know who do you say that I am? You remember Peter, Simon Peter? Blurted right out. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Martha is making about the same declaration. She won't end up being the the, the, the leader of the church. She won't be declared a saint. (laughs) But the fact is, her faith enabled her in the midst of her great loss. Knowing her brother's body was rotting in the tomb. She says, I believe that you are the Christ, son of the living God. You see, as we look at that, beautiful beautiful text there we, we, we get a glimpse into the heart of this not only this family but 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 the believers in this family in verse 28 and when she had said these things she went her way and secretly called Mary her sister saying the teacher has done has come and is calling for you as soon as she heard that she Mary arose quickly and came to him now Jesus had not yet come into the town in Bethany he's on the outskirts and was in the place where Martha met him then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her when they saw Mary Mary rose up quickly and went out followed her saying "She is going to the tomb to weep there then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him she fell down at his feet saying to him basically what Martha said Lord if you had just been here my brother would have lived therefore when Jesus saw her weeping And the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit. This is the emotions because Christ is is fully man and he has emotions that we would have. And he groaned in his spirit and he was troubled. And he says, where did you lay him or where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. And then it says in verse 35, Jesus wept. Jesus wasn't crying for Lazarus, folks. He was weeping for Mary and for Martha He was weeping to see what sin had done to them in generating the death of their brother. He may have been weeping for Lazarus to think that, you know, poor Lazarus, you know, a good man. But the curse of sin took his life. The curse of sin has has struck this family with grief. And so Jesus... As a dear friend, as one who loved them, his emotions just welled up inside of him, and he's not crying out of out of hopelessness or de- desperation. He's crying because he sees the awful effect of sin and the curse of sin played out right before his eyes. Then the Jews said, "See how he loved him. No, see how he loves the whole world that he gave his only life, life gave his life for those of us who put our faith in him." In verse 37, in some. Um, Said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also kept this this man from dying? Verse 38. Then Jesus again, groaning in in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, as was typical for the Jews in Palestine. It was a cave and a stone lay against it to keep out wild animals and grave robbers. Jesus said, take away the stone. Now, Martha, being the big sister, the outspoken one in the family, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench. he has been dead four days the Jews didn't embalm so therefore they buried a person right away when they buried when they died there was no preparation spices or anything to, to to stall the decomposition of a body she was true that was that was the truth and Jesus said to her did I not say to you that if you would believe you would see the glory of God in verse 41 then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I I said this, that they may believe and that you believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out uh, bound to hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. The cause of family chose to order their priorities in their relationship with Christ. They earned the privilege of being able to call upon the Lord in a great time of dire need. So the disciples' priority makes it possible for us to have our petitions and our pleas to the Lord. And, and it's good to call upon the Lord. It's good to cry to the Lord when we're at the end of our room. And we see that demonstrated in this powerful, powerful lesson. So we've seen the disciples' priority. We've seen the disciples' plea and the wonderful result that came as a, as a result of that. The greatest miracle of the Gospel of John occurred right there as a dead man, obviously dead for four days, walked out of the grave. But then I want to end up by helping you to see that when we order our priorities and we have a close personal relationship with the Lord, we can call upon him and bring our petitions to him and he hears us and he helps us. There's praise to come. I want us to look at the disciples' praises. We can quickly bring it to a close. Three verses. John chapter 12. Again, back in Bethany. Again, back at the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Lazarus, of course, is hes back from the dead. <laughs> he's not dead anymore. that makes make you kind of a popular person in town, don't you think? People kind of go, oh, let's go over to Lazarus' house and just watch him. I've never seen anybody who was dead or alive again. I want to talk to him. You know, what was it, you know? So, so anyway, kind of, Jesus is the guest of honor, but Lazarus is the talk of the town. Then six days before the Passover, This would be the Saturday before Christ would be crucified. So you understand the close proximity of this time now. But we would be terribly remiss if we didn't let you glimpse at the beautiful development in the relationship of this family with Jesus. There's Lazarus. He's benefited from Christ's divine gift of of miracles. Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? But I want you to don't don't miss the details now. The details are there. They made him a supper and who served? Martha served. Is she griping and complaining about not having enough help? No, Martha is a changed woman. Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Where is little Mary? We're gonna see. This one who had ordered a priorities, had issued a a plea of help in a desperate time of need, then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of Spikenard, which was a rare plant in the country of India that people would use to anoint their bodies when they died. They would you know you hear about people making preparations for their funeral or whatever. One of the things you would do if you had the money to do, because it would cost what was the equivalent of an average person's annual salary to buy this, ointment, this oil from India. And she had it set apart, I'm sure, in a very special place that, when she had given instructions to her family, when I die, I want you to use this on my body because of the wonderful aroma. Here she is with that pound of spikenard, that oil, and she's broken the, 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 vine, the vase that, that is in and anointed the feet of Jesus. Now, when they sat around the table, it's not like us sitting where with our, te- our feet are under the table in the chairs. There they circled the food. The table was kind of like down close to the floor. And they lay on one elbow and their feet were sticking out. The outside of the circle. So it'd be easy for, she didn't have to get up under the table and say, Jesus, I need your feet. No, she can slide right up by his feet. Which sub- suggests a wonderful position of submission. And she began to anoint the feet of Jesus. Did you notice at the beginning of verse 1? Six days before the Passover. In her spirit she probably had heard Christ say, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. I'll be raised again on the third day. It was a wonderful thing on the day, the first day of the week uh, on Easter, when Jesus was resurrected from the grave. We know that the women went to the tomb to, to, to take spices, to anoint his body. That, that's all wonderful and good. And what a, what a beautiful picture of devotion. But who loved Jesus so much that she gave a year's salary, a precious ointment that she had reserved for herself to kneel at his feet, not his hand, but at his feet. And to pour this precious oil upon his his feet. And to begin to dry them. Did you notice? It didn't say that she took a towel out of the bathroom. She took her hair. And began to dry his feet with her own precious long hair. What a gesture of praise. To humble herself at the feet of Jesus. To make sacrifice. To demonstrate to him how valuable he was to her what worth he had in her heart the best that she had she was willing to give for him to elevate him to honor him I'm not going to read the rest of the story where Judas complained and all of that but the fact is Mary who established a priority in a relationship with the Lord her faith and trust in Jesus Christ became the number one thing in her life It earned her the right to issue a plea, a petition to Christ in the greatest time of need that she had. And he came through. And she wasn't about to miss this moment. She knew that the clock was ticking down to Calvary. She wouldn't have many other opportunities to, to express from her heart the deep devotion and love and adoration and praise and thanksgiving and all that he meant to her. And when we gather to worship the Lord, how dare we come in here and kind of ho hum? What time is it? I hope the preacher is by 12. I better hurry up. I've got two minutes. But when we come, this is the same Jesus that died for her sins on that cross. He died for your sins and my sins on that cross. And can we think any less of him? Can we love him any less? Would we not want to sacrifice whatever it takes? To demonstrate to the Lord what he means to us. I think about that old hymn we've often sung Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin that left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Mary and Martha and Lazarus probably, probably couldn't stop praising God from that day when Jesus first came to town and they established in their lives, that their faith and trust in him would be the priority of their life. They'll never forget that day when out of that relationship they were able to cry out to Jesus to do something for them that no other person on the face of the earth could do. And Mary probably never forgot that night when she went in and humbled herself at the feet of the Son of God. And poured that oil, the most expensive thing she had in her possession, to say to him through her actions, I love you so much. You mean everything to me. And to demonstrate that personal love and humble submission, she wiped his feet with her very hair. I don't know about you. When I was preparing this message and reading these texts and thinking about that, and recreating those scenes in my mind, I felt a conviction in my heart. How dare I come to worship the Lord and not have. So, more devotion and have more adoration and more praise and appreciation and love, how could I dare hold back and in to support the kingdom work that that the church is involved in, or to advance the good news of the gospel? How dare I would not I, I would give less than sacrificially of my time and my resources to one who's given his all for me and for you. We were reminded of that as we partook of the elements of the Lord's Supper today. And I think every Lord's Supper ought to take us back to that moment so that we just say, Lord, you paid it all. All to you I owe. Sin had left a terrible crimson stain, but you washed it white. Snow. What is your attitude towards the Lord? What is your relationship with the Lord? Is it the priority of, the number one priority of your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the vivid and powerful, divinely inspired, always true words from your scriptures. Thank you, Lord, for recording so accurately and so vividly these personal accounts. The Bible is filled with powerful, God-given doctrine and teachings and principles that are absolutely true, but also, Lord, you you know how we function and how we think, and you, you weave in those wonderful personal experiences that help us to see what a wonderful and personal loving and, and understanding and patient and kind God you are, and how blessed we are to even know you, much less to call you our Lord. Oh Lord, deepen our relationship with you. If there's anyone, Lord, in this place today or listening online, that has not entered into this glorious, personal, eternal relationship with you, resulting in salvation and eternal life and and a home in heaven with you forever. Lord, I pray if if, if you've chosen them to be a part of your family, oh God, would you convict their hearts of their sins, that they would repent of their sins and turn to you in faith and choose to follow you daily, practicing the principles of your word for the rest of their lives as they serve you as a child of God. Oh, Lord, do a work in all of our hearts according to your will. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Mark, I'll ask you if you'll come and close us.